Willis Welcome to the Fade Route. With DNZ. Here are your hosts. DNZ. with DNZ, IMZ, and we have a huge show for you, a mammoth show, a king-size show. We have college football coaching changes. We have the state of the Seattle Seahawks and the Washington football team, as well as whether or not there's anybody who can challenge Steph Curry, the MVP of the NBA, but we are going to start with the weekend that was in New York sports, because it was relatively big. The Jets, kudos to you, D. The Jets beat the Texans to move to three and eight on the season, 21 to 14. It was a slog to sit through. Zach Wilson did not look like he was ready for prime time, but he got the job done. And there is a little bit of a pin in the Mike Effin White talk, at least for now. The Giants canning Jason Garrett, bringing in Freddie Kitchens. Did, did they light the scoreboard up? No, they did not. But they still got the win against the Eagles, 13-7. to So we'll see what they are moving forward. This really exposes the Eagles, in my opinion. They're a pretender to the throne. The Rangers are off to an amazing start. They're 14-3 and three on the season. Even with the COVID, uh, the COVID postponement at the UBS Arena, because, at, uh, the Garden rather, because of the outbreak on the Islanders, that, that is certainly an issue that needs to be monitored. And did you know that we have a playoff team Currently in New York. NYCFC, that is right. The boys in blue knocked off the Supporters' Shield winners. The New England Revolution in penalty kicks just last night. 2-2 to penalty kicks. And then five straight in for NYCFC. They advanced to the Eastern Conference Final but they will be without Golden Boot Award winner and top scorer in the MLS, Tati Castellanos. So it will be an uphill climb for the lone playoff team in New York sports. And here he is. I've known this guy since our days on Carousel Shoes. Flight crew through and through. The last QB in St. John's history. What's up, D? How's it going, man? Yes, it was quite a weekend in New York sports. And even last night, we had the Nets, the Nets taking on the Knicks, uh, and it went all the way down to the end. Uh, Nets prevailed with uh, two foul shots, but the Knicks were in it all the way. And Nets, of course, are ahead in the Eastern Conference, 15 wins, six losses. And the Knicks have come back to reality and are closing in on being close to 500. But for the most part, all the teams in New York were competitive, even the Buffalo Bills, over the course of the last five days. So, yes, very impressive 
couple of days in New York sports. Absolutely. And the capper on it all might be the Black Friday spending spree that I didn't get to with the New York Metropolitans. Starley Marte, Mark Canna, Eduardo Escobar, and the big fish, old two-color eyes himself, Max Scherzer is a Met signing a three-year, $130 million contract with an opt-out after the second year. So Marcus Stroman is close to or if not already signed to the Cubs. So that's a little bit of breaking news. Javi Baez signed with the Tigers yesterday. Noah Syndergaard had already gone to the Angels along with Aaron Loop. But with these additions, where do the Mets go from here, D? I mean, you must be you must be smitten right now, right? Are you are you smitten like a kid? I mean, listen, I'm not gonna put any rain on your parade. I'm not gonna pop your balloon, but I'm gonna be I'm gonna be crazy here. It's gonna sound crazy. I think they should trade Degrom. Trade him. Trade him. I bet the Yankees would take him. I bet the I bet the Angels would take him. I bet Toronto would take him, get two players and a pitcher, and let's move on. Because let's be real, this Scherzer thing doesn't work unless they got a number two. They gotta have another guy. So I'm hedging my bet saying that DeGrom's arm trouble that started last year is going to continue. I can't have two guys with arm trouble because let's be real, Scherzer finished last season with a dead arm. He's also 37 years old. He's the same age as you and I. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not, I, I think, you know, you, they went and they bought all the shiny toys, right? Same thing the Rams did. Seems to be what's been going along lately, but they need a Rizzo. They need a Bryant. Maybe even a Freddie Freeman. I God, I forbid that happens. But they're still... They're still a little bit away from unseating the Braves from com- and from competing with the Phillies. Freddie Freeman's getting fitted for pinstripes as we speak. I hope he you is, realize right? that. Yeah. He is. He is. I mean, and the problem is, is like, I, I, I see both sides of it, right? And from what I gather, he wants a six-year deal. That's what I'm hearing. He wants a six-year deal. And the number one, the Braves don't want to give him a six-year deal. But number two, the Braves are also waiting to find out what comes with the new the new agreement, the new player agreement, the new contract. Uh, and you wonder, the Yankees have not gotten involved at all yet. And is this the guy that they're going to fork over, what, probably 130 to 140, maybe upwards of 150 mil? Well, I mean, you can do worse. Freddie Freeman, you know, he is a franchise player. You know that, and being a Braves fan. But that would significantly weaken the Braves and definitely help the Mets' chances. Now, you did bring up something interesting that we need to discuss in that Major League Baseball is on the verge of a lockout. We have T-minus like three hours. At the stroke of midnight... The players are getting locked out. It it goes without saying. The meeting between Tony Clark and Rob Manfred lasted seven minutes. (laughs) Seven minutes in heaven? Hardly. So 
it's a fait accompli that this is getting shut down, which is why owners are spending this ridiculous amount of cash and players are just trying to gobble up whatever they can get before the CBA expires. But specifically to the Mets, adding Starling Marte is a, it's a great addition because you're losing Conforto. You're not really losing much. See ya. Confort- yeah, you can go. Goodbye. Good riddance. But, you know, the Yankees can use an outfield. You don't want the qualifying order for good. <laughs> See you later. That's fine. Starling Marte can play center field. He can play corner outfield. So you can move Nimmo out of this out of center field if you want to. That's fine. Mark Canna can play both corner outfield positions. He can also play first base. So that makes a guy like J.D. Davis or Dom Smith expendable. If they decide to add the DH to the National League as part of the new collective bargaining agreement, you can move Pete Alonso into the DH role and rotate these guys through if you can't find a suitable trade. So there's flexibility there. Eduardo Escobar can play multiple positions. I like these moves. Ultimately, like... Starling Marte is a big fish. Canna and Escobar are not. Scherzer is the big reel in, but you hit the nail on the head before. I'm troubled. I'm a little troubled by this. Not because he wanted to come to the Mets and, you know, the Mets have, you know, some sort of like curse or something on them, but he just had a dead arm. (laughs) This happened. And basically, you know, he couldn't play in he couldn't. the he couldn't play in the NLCS. He couldn't finish. No, he couldn't pin it. He couldn't post last year. So that definitely gives me a little bit of pause. And I get why you'd be excited. I'm excited. I'm cautiously optimistic. Cause you bring in a 37-year-old guy. We've said this I've said this before about Max Scherzer. And you kind of rebuffed me a little bit. Like, because you said for this guy, you make that deal. But you said that before his arm went dead. So I am cautiously optimistic, but I'm definitely, you know, I'm a little wary. The appeal of it is having a Scherzer and a DeGrom together. You need it, yeah. You need two. You need a one-two punch. You you definitely do. But now you, as the Mets are seeing, you also need to fill out the back of that rotation. Carlos Carrasco, another year away from surgery. Maybe he'll be a little bit healthier. Still slots in as a four. Is Tyler McGill a number three? Is David Peterson a number three? Is Joey Lucchese going to be that guy? Like, those are all depth players. Like quadruple A, bullpen kind of swing people. I need another guy. I need at least one more if I'm the Mets. And they lost out on the opportunity to bring back Marcus Stroman. Because Stroman would have been one of the best number three starters in baseball. Wait, can you say it again? Can you say it again about Marcus Stroman? Because you were hating on him last year. I don't like him as a pick, (laughs) but as a number three, he's not an ace. I don't personally care for him, but he could be my number three. Right. You can be my number three anytime. Bullshit. You could be mine. (laughs) So, you know. All five, seven of him. Right. He slots in very well in that role. Like I, I think he's a, he's a fish out of water trying to pitch it like an ace. 
You know, Taiwan Walker. Is Taiwan Walker a number three? Three, four, cuspy, cuspy maybe. Like, you got him for one more year. Like, you know, you have depth available, and we're going to talk about this with the Yankees later. Are you going to go bring in a guy like a Matt Boyd, who was non-tendered by the Tigers? Are you going to go, you know, are you going to go hunting for Danny Duffy? Are, are you going to bring in, you know, a Mike Fires or a Fulty? Yeah, you're familiar with Mike Fultonavich. Would, would you want to no. have a reunion with him? No. So, you know, the starting pitching market, especially now that Kevin Gossman is in Toronto, that would have been the guy that would have been a solid slot in. If you're going to lose Strowman, I, I love Kevin Gossman, but you're not going to get him. The Mets need more. I'm not, you, you, I'm thinking about Dennis Green. I'm not ready to crown the rest. Yeah, I'm not ready to crown Yeah, them. and then for me, it's like, I, Listen, I love Freddie, and what he meant to the Braves for the last several years is amazing. But the other part of me says, okay, he, we won the World Series, and mm-hmm. he's 31, 32. We have Acuna coming back. Riley turned out to be a stud. Ozuna, I believe, is coming back. Albies is there. You go if if you lose Freddie Freeman, but then you go get a Chris Bryant, you go get an Anthony Rizzo. Uh, am I am I happy? No. Can we can we be a wild card? Yeah. I mean, let's be real. Last year they only won. They got to the playoffs because they really turned it up in August. They were playing like shit up until then. Is your hair thinning or is your hairline receding? Scalp micropigmentation will fill in the areas where your hair is missing by creating a short buzz cut look. Micropigmentation is a non-invasive procedure that will create the illusion of hair follicles for 7 to 10 years. For people with alopecia, this could be a permanent fix. For people with scars on their scalp, this is a great way to camouflage a scar. Don't lose confidence or feel like you need to wear a hat wherever you go. Marquez Studio is located in the Bronx and is open for all your scalp micropigmentation needs. Consultations are free and appointments can be made any day of the week. Get your hairline back with scalp micropigmentation. The techs at Marquez Studio have over 30 years of haircutting experience and can assist you with all of your questions. Call to schedule a consultation today, 646-221-8728. You can also visit them on Instagram at Bronx Marquez to see their gallery and view all their satisfied customers. Again, that is Marquez Studio, located in the Bronx, New York, 646-221-8728. Moving on, another team playing like shit. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, they lose Monday night football to the Washington football team. Russell Wilson and company not able to get a conversion on a two-point on a two-point try uh, to send the game into overtime. The Seahawks offense has struggled all season. Crazy because last year Brian Schottheimer was there and they were doing well. So I don't know what that means. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> seemingly unable to get first downs at times, and they're seemingly unable to even score in games. This looks like the end for Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll, right? In Seattle, right? Without a doubt. One of them, if not both, and maybe even John Schneider, something needs to change in Seattle. You're looking at it, 
at their team stats. And granted, these are skewed. I'm not going to lie. These are skewed because you had how many weeks of Geno Smith? Who did a representative job. He did good. He did he, good. He was good. He did representative. You know, he did what a backup should do. They didn't lose those games because of Geno Smith. No, they didn't. I'm not saying they did. But he also didn't... He, he wasn't giving you a superstar performance. So the he other, was solid. Right, solid right. but unspectacular. But the other part you got to question is, is what what's wrong with this team, right? They have arguably the best linebacker in football. Maybe the second or third. Top three linebacker in football, right? Mm-hmm. They have two extremely good wide receivers, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Mm-hmm. They have Russell Wilson, who can throw, he can run, he's a competent quarterback, he's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. So where are we blaming this on? Are we blaming this on the run game? They're not able to score. They can't score because they can't establish a run game, and Russell Wilson is running for his life. That has to do with the offensive line. And that that goes back to the Dwayne Brown thing, where Dwayne Brown was looking for more money and Russ was trying to get him more money. And it didn't really work. But now Russ, I think, is going to slowly submit the list again of teams that he would prefer to go to. But I really think it's a combination of factors. It's the offensive line, because without a stalwart offensive line, they can't run the football. Never mind, they couldn't run the football because Chris Carson is hurt. And he's always hurt. So, you, they they signed Adrian Peterson to their practice squad. I saw that. Very thing. interesting. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No love for Todd Gurley. No love for Le'Veon Bell. No. But Adrian Peterson gets another shot. This team is done. And I don't understand the move. But if you can't get pushed on the offensive line, your run game doesn't go anywhere. And... If you can't keep your quarterback upright, your passing game goes nowhere. So offensive line is definitely up on the list. Yeah, yes, you but yes, Bobby Wagner is good. I, I will not dispute that Bobby Wagner is possibly the best middle linebacker in football. But what else are you surrounding him with on defense? Jamal Adams is a safety you know, but he's a linebacker. He plays like a linebacker, and he doesn't even really tackle. He just likes to hit. First time in his career, he has multiple interceptions in a season, and that pick is now a number five pick overall for the New York Jets. Yeah, unbelievable. And, you know, 26th in passing yards, 25th in rushing yards, 25th in points, 26th in points against. against. And, you know, Seattle is just they're swirling they're swirling man and there's a lot of salary cap issues got tied up you have I mean Pete Carroll's been there for over a decade so maybe it is just a you know a new voice or maybe it's you know maybe Russell Wilson just needs to move on to a better a better situation right now because I mean, it's great that you have Metcalf and Lockett, but if you can't get them the ball, if you can't stay upright, you're never going to win. So, if you if you go back to the beginning of the season when Russ leaked those teams, leaked those the names of those teams he'd be willing to play for. Mm-hmm. If you go back in time, do you think the brass at Seattle makes that deal? They make that trade. 
they get rid of us. I think that... I think they maybe pull the trigger with the Bears. I don't necessarily see... I mean, the only way it would work with Vegas is if they were trading Carr for Wilson. And I don't want to invest in Derek Carr if I'm if I'm if I'm Seattle, if I'm trading Russell Wilson, I'm committing to a rebuild. I'm not bringing in a 31-year-old quarterback, a 32-year-old quarterback trying to make it work. If I'm Seattle and I'm making this trade, I'm calling the Giants. I'm looking to get Daniel Jones or I'm calling to get Justin Fields or I'm calling, you know, just maybe I could pry away Jalen Hurts. So, you yeah. know, something like that. I'm do I'm making that kind of move. I'm not bringing in Derek Carr. I'm not going to bring in a, a James Winston. I could have signed James Winston as a free agent. So, you know, if I'm John Schneider, I would have thought long and hard about making that trade because... Yeah, this team is going nowhere fast, and I think he had to realize that it was going nowhere fast because it's been trending downward for a while. But let's talk about the other the other team on the field, right? The Washington football team is, you know, quietly getting close to 500 here. They're second in the NFC East. Currently, they are in the wild card hunt. They have a legit shot here. Well, they control their own destiny. Um, they have four games against division opponents left. But I honestly, I only see one team coming out of the East. I only think I think the division winner is going to come out. And that's going to be the Cowboys. I like the wild card teams to come out of the West and come out of the North. The Vikings, potentially the Rams, 49ers, or, or uh, Rams or 49ers. The Cardinals will probably, probably lock up the West. Yeah, it sounds about right, but, you know, I think they'll be in it. I, I really think that you and I may disagree on this, but I think they found their quarterback, at least for the foreseeable future. Taylor Heineke is playing his ass off, so he's become a folk hero. He's become a legit folk hero there. And then you couple that with Gibson and McLaurin, you have a potent enough offense that you can contend. It was the defense that's been letting you down, right? Montez Sweat, Chase Young, both hurt. Both couldn't get to the quarterback when they were healthy. So that was kind of a disappointment. They're clawing their way back in. It. I'm saying there's a shot. I'm not saying there's a certainty because you have Raiders, Cowboys twice, Eagles twice, and you end at the Giants. So realistically... You could go four and two in that scenario. You definitely could. I don't yeah, see why you I couldn't. Don't, I don't think Taylor Heineke's the quarterback of the future. I think it's cute what he's doing now. He's six feet tall, and you can tell when he throws the ball downfield or he throws those deep outs. The ball's up in the air too long. He needs to put some zip on his passes, and I just don't think he has the ability to do it. But there's going to be a market next year. Quarterbacks, right? We we just talked about Russell Wilson. He could be a Redskin. Derek Carr could be a Redskin. There's gonna be guys out there. They could draft a quarterback. Um, we don't know what's gonna happen with Tua down in Miami. Um, so I, I I think it's a short-term fix for them. And Ron Rivera really just focuses on having a quarterback that doesn't turn over the ball. 
and that's what Taylor Heineke's able to do. But sometimes that can only take you so far. So I mean, a, an effective game manager can take you. I mean, look at what Jalen Hurts is doing. Look at what Jalen Hurts. I mean, they lost this past weekend, but I mean, he's he hasn't thrown for more than 200 yards since they played the Raiders earlier in the season. It's basically they run the ball, keep the game close. And they do whatever they have to do to win. Um, same thing with the Indianapolis Colts. I keep saying I really like their team. I don't think it's a team you really want to face in the playoffs. They run the ball effectively. They almost beat Tampa this past weekend. They, they did. Were in, they were in position to win that game. Uh, they gave Tom back the ball with too much time. One day someone's going to figure out that you cannot give this man the ball back with more than a minute left in the game goes downfield he puts them up right and then then they come all the way down uh at the end they run back the ball all the way to like the 30 or the 25 yard line you're like wow they really have some they have a chance here and it, it didn't go through but they're just a team you're not going to want to face in the playoffs you don't want to face those teams that can run the ball play in sound play sound defense and don't turn the football over no, you don't, because at the end of the day, they're not going to beat themselves, and you're seeing that with the New England Patriots as well. They don't beat themselves. And the way Taylor Heineke is running this Washington offense, he's not really putting himself in a position to beat himself, much like Alex Smith, his predecessor. Right? I think that there's something steadying about that. You don't necessarily need to be the flashiest quarterback. You don't need to put up the biggest arm, but... You definitely, you know, you need to have some semblance of smarts. And he's shown that he's got some acumen. And that, you know what? The most important thing about this is that he's got the locker room. Right? That I think those guys go and they play for that guy. So there's something to be said about that. Like, we, we were talking about that with Mike White, right? I mean, granted, it was one week, but... He had the he had the hearts and minds of that team. He did. And that definitely goes a long way in a professional locker room. Looking to break into broadcast media, web development, social media marketing, or filmmaking, then CSB is the program for you. From day one, you'll be trained hands-on by industry pros like friend of the show Rob Adams, whose goal is to get you trained and get you working in months not years. CSB offers 8 and 16 week programs in small class sizes designed to give you the personalized attention you need. If you can make it in person, there are five East Coast locations. If you can't, they offer virtual classes too. How great is that? And once you graduate, you become part of the alumni network that gets you to the front of the line. Trust me, I'm an alum myself. Go to GoCSB.com today, request more info, set up a studio tour, and who knows, you may very well be on your way to a career in broadcast media. That's GoCSB.com and tell them Z sent you. GoCSB.com. And speaking of locker rooms, I'm sure that the Michigan locker room got trashed due to the celebration as Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines finally beat Ohio State. 42-27, advancing to the Big Ten title game against Iowa. So will a win 
guarantee Michigan a spot in the college football playoff? Or, or is the Big Ten going to get shut out? Yeah, I mean, so the rankings came out it was yesterday or two days ago. We got Georgia 1, Michigan 2, Alabama 3, and Cincy 4. Michigan definitely deserved to move up to two after that victory. That was a big-time win over a big-time school. Uh, we're going to see what happens because this thing has a possibility of shaking up. Because If Alabama loses to Georgia, I think Alabama's out. And I want Notre Dame in, mainly because Brian Kelly left to go coach for LSU. I want Notre Dame in the, in the four. Um, if Michigan and Alabama lose... I think since he's got to move up and Oklahoma State's got to get in and and then Notre Dame is in as well. So a Michigan loss would throw this playoff in disarray. And if Georgia loses, I don't think it really means much. I think Georgia would just maybe drop a spot, uh, maybe even just stay number one and move Alabama up to two. But it's definitely an interesting year because we're going to get finally a chance to see other schools in this thing. Like we're going to have a chance to see Oklahoma State. We're going to have a chance to see Cincy. And really, I would only want to see Notre Dame. Uh, I would only want I want to see Notre Dame in it just because Brian Kelly's an asshole. <laughs> well, Robert Sala also had a very interesting story about Brian Kelly as well. So uh, we'll get to Mr. Kelly very soon. But kudos to Michigan for finally slaying the Giant. Have a day, Hassan Haskins. 28 carries, 169 yards, 5 TDs. 5. That's an impressive performance right there. If Michigan wins, if they beat Iowa, you got you, you got to think that they're going to be in it. You definitely think that they're going to be uh, one of the higher seeds too because if you think about it like we've said before in the past, this is a television show, so you are trying to get eyeballs to the. You're trying to get eyeballs to the TV. Notre Dame moves the needle. Alabama moves the needle. The only since, problem since he doesn't move the needle that right, much. Right, but the only problem is is if Alabama beats Georgia, you gotta move Alabama to two because Georgia's number one. They were undefeated. Yeah, Georgia in the championship game. Michigan's win over Ohio State it doesn't it doesn't equate uh, Alabama beating Georgia. So that's the only situation where I think Michigan would drop. And man, if they lose, if they lose, then they're definitely out. Oh no, they're done. No, 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 no. They they are definitely done. But I mean, Notre Dame would be a, a great option. Before Oregon went off the went off the rails, Oregon would have been an interesting choice. But you know, I think that I think why do you like or- why do you like Oregon? I don't like Oregon at all. I I just like the way they play with Mario Cristobal. I think they do a good job. And they also, if you want to talk about you know comparable losses, comparable wins, they you know they were able to knock off Ohio State. So it's one of those things that um, it was possible, but then they kind of went in the tank. Since he, they're in position now, they need the committee needs to put them in. Like they can't deny Cincy uh, again. They yeah, uh, yeah. They will. I, they will, but they can't. They shouldn't. 
I don't think I don't think I, no. I think since he's fine, I think they're okay. Um, I think I think Ohio State would have a chance to move up. They're they're a good two loss team. I don't see Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss coming up. Baylor no. Or Michigan State was another good team. They just had that really bad loss to Ohio State. Yeah. After Mel Tucker, the ink wasn't even dry on the contract. Yeah. You think they wanted to kind of put some white out on that? Oh I, my god, that's a whooping. It's, it's, yeah, it's tough to say because you look around, right, and it's who who's out there. Like, who are we going to bring in here to be better than this guy? And if we lock him up now, we're not going to have to worry about somebody else coming in and taking him, right? You see what yeah. just happened with with Ryan Kelly, and we see what just happened with Lincoln Riley. So, they, you know, they have a guy that, um, yeah, he got blown out by Ohio State, but, I mean, they got 10 wins. Um, he's definitely doing doing better the last couple of seasons. Like, he's, he's he, he seems to keep getting better and better, and they're attracting talent there. So he's doing a decent job recruiting. You just want to be in the mix when it comes down to it, right? It's like you want you want people to talk about you. Like we're not talking about LSU this year, right? No. We're not talking about Wisconsin this year, right? Nope. We never we never talk about the Pac-12, so that doesn't even matter. But that's what you want to be. You want to be in this. You want to be in the conversation. And we're not even real. talking about Clemson. No, we're not. They're gone. Their re- their reign of terror is over. It's it's wild. It's that's. That's the thing that's fun about college football. It's like you have these runs, right? It's like when we were in high school, it was the U, right? Mm-hmm. And then, it, and then it was Ohio State, the Ohio State University, right? And then it was, and for the last several years, it's been Alabama. But then Clemson came in, right? And then Oregon was in there, you know, what, like ten years ago with Chip Kelly and crew. So you, ha- oh, and then let's not forget USC and Texas with Reggie Bush. Was like you go on these runs, so. When I look at the college football landscape right now, we got Georgia, Michigan, Alabama, Cincy. The last couple of years, it's been all SEC, right? It's just been SEC after SEC team. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that this is the turning of the tide. I'm hoping that with Cincy in here and with maybe even Oklahoma State getting in and Notre Dame, I hope, hopefully we're getting a little bit of a changeover. It's great to see Georgia on top there, but the, the issue with Georgia is like, right, the last team they want to really see is Alabama, and that's the team they're going to have to face in the SEC championship game. Well, the one team that they don't have to worry about seeing in the SEC title game is LSU, but they just got their guy. Ed Orgeron is out. Notre Dame's Brian Kelly is in. And... Lincoln Riley been denying rumors the entire time about possibly leaving Oklahoma for the NFL or leaving Oklahoma for LSU or any of these coaching vacancies. He took the job in USC. So which signing is going to have a bigger impact? I don't know. I'm, 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 I guess I'm weird. I'm one of the people, I'm one of the few people that thinks this will have zero impact. I think both will have zero impact. I think it's just going to be a speed bump to just another season next year. I don't think Brian Kelly is better than Les Miles. I don't think Brian Kelly is better than Ed Erzron. I don't think Lincoln Riley is going to be able to recruit players to play in the Pac-12, especially with Texas and Oklahoma moving to the SEC. I just don't I don't see how he's going to get players to come play in South in Southern California. 
the other part is, is last time I checked, neither of these guys has a national championship. Neither of these guys have done anything. In fact, Brian Kelly, every time he goes to the college football playoff, he gets blowed out. <laughs> blowed out. Blowed out. So, I will say this about Lincoln Riley. I am impressed that he has three starting quarterbacks in the NFL. That's pretty impressive. So, he, he does know offense. But when you go to a school like USC, you're going to have to break rules and you're going to have to recruit. And I don't know if he's going to be able to do that. Well, he's already getting some of his players through the transfer transfer portal. Yeah, so they're they're already working that back channel from Oklahoma to USC, so it's kind of like it's kind of happening already, so I don't know how that is going to impact the Pac-12. It it may or may not. But Brian The other problem the other problem is is with the Pac-12 is where's your competition, right? It's like, okay, well, Oregon's really the top guy, right? Right? Yeah. They're the top of them. All right, so you beat Oregon. And then what happens if you lose to uh, UCLA? What happens if you lose? Like, Herman Everett is coaching uh, Arizona State. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that they, they're, not, they're not a team that seems to be making any kind of impact, but it's not going to be easy to go there and win games. No. I mean, you still have Washington, Washington State. You still have teams that you can uh, there's still teams that are going to be a struggle for you to beat UCLA UCLA is going to be is going to be a problem for you as well if you're out there in Southern California you also have to recruit directly against them Cal as well so you know it remains to be seen what's going to happen but Brian Kelly is in for a world of hurt He's in for a world of fucking hurt. You went from Notre Dame, touchdown Jesus, gold helmets, wake up the echoes. We don't need a conference. We're Notre fucking Dame. We're the New York Yankees of college football. And now you're at just another program. Granted, a couple of years ago, they won a national title. But they had a pretty special damn player in Joe Burrow. Do you have anybody on that team even close to Joe Burrow? Not right now. And are you going to be able to recruit a guy as talented as Joe Burrow when you're going up against Texas and Alabama and Georgia? I doubt it. I doubt it. And I, I felt like his reason was so, like, blasé. It's like, oh, I want to go win a national championship. Okay, so you're going to go into the division with Georgia and Nick Saban? Right. Like, what are you thinking? Hey, how is that, that going to win? help you win a national championship? Meanwhile, your team is six now, and I'm pretty sure that if you stayed there, they would have bumped you to four or five, and you probably would be in the, in the CFP. I, I just... Listen, he was. It was time for him to go anyway. He was there for ten plus years. I think he got his all-time wins leader there now. But he didn't win anything while he was there. So good riddance. But you don't say you're gonna go to LSU and win. I, that's not a guarantee at all, at all. And you're a northerner. You're not even from the south. Like you're going up against southerners, right? And you're gonna have to go and recruit southerners. I don't know if you're gonna get people to come play for you. No, the way he left, 
was a, a black guy. The stories coming out about him are a black guy. So this will negatively impact his recruiting. I just don't know how you're going to... You're not going to... Let's be real. You're not going to get the best athletes, right? No the way. Best, the best athletes going to Alabama. The second best athletes going to Georgia. And the third best athlete might go to Texas or Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how you're going to get people to go play for LSU. Like, Ed Ergeron was that guy, right? He was that Southern guy. Like, he's that guy. You can barely understand anything he's saying. He was the guy from Waterboy. Right. Yeah. And then and then Les Miles. I mean, let's be real. Les, Les Miles was there for a while. Like, he... It took him time to get that program where it was. And even him, he, he, he took his lumps. So, and so we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Avoid messy accidents. Get better stopping power with your brake pads. Callahan brake pads. You never know when you'll be driving in the road and there will be a truck tire that you need to avoid and save your family. Callahan Auto, we really care about what's under your hood. The Baseball Hall of Fame finalists were announced. And on the ballot, you have guys like Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens in their last season. You have guys like Kurt Schilling and Sammy Sosa. You also have David Ortiz on for the first time. You also have a bunch of Alex Gold, Rodriguez. Alex Rodriguez. You have golden age players like Dick Allen and Minnie Minoso and Jim Cott, Roger Maris, Gil Hodges going to be voted on, right? You have guys like Billy Wagner in his seventh year and newcomers like David Ortiz, A-Rod, and Mark Teixeira. Who, who do you see getting in? Or does anybody get in? I mean, I was excited about this segment when we talked about it in the production meeting because... You know, first of all, just so everybody knows, voters can vote for a maximum of 10 players. Players need 75% for election. Can't be 74.9. Has to be 75% for election. Players need 5% to remain on the ballot. Nobody got in last year. Just the fourth time that has happened since 1966. That is cool. Like, I like I like how baseball has, you know, not everybody can get into this thing. Yeah. Um... Uh, here's my here's my whole thing. I you can't you can't let the cheaters in because if you let the cheaters in, then you gotta let all the cheaters in. Right. right? So you're gonna let in Roger Clemens. You're gonna you're gonna let in Sammy Sosa. Okay. Well, then Mark McGuire is getting in. The Black Sox are getting in. Pete Rose is getting in. Everybody's getting in. All right. So you, you're not going down that road. So my answer to be maybe a little surprised to you is I don't think anybody should get in. I think if I think Ortiz eventually gets in, David Ortiz eventually gets in because of how well he got along with the media, what he meant to the city of Boston, and he helped break the curse. I honestly don't think the other guys deserve to be in. I don't think they're going to get voted in. Uh, for, and then the other thing is, is you know, this this will eventually go on for players will get to vote, and at that point, then maybe they'll be then then maybe they'll be okay. But for now, I, I, I'm not in. I'm not in for it, man. Of those guys, of the question mark guys, Schilling definitely no. 
Bonds definitely no. Clemens definitely no. A Rod definitely no. Andy Pettit doesn't have a shot. No offense to Andy Pettit, we love you. Manny Ramirez. If he didn't, if Manny Ramirez didn't get popped, he would have been a surefire. I, I would have voted for Manny Ramirez, one of the best pure hitters I've ever seen. He couldn't do much of anything else, but man, he could fucking hit. And Poppy, I mean, Poppy was named in the Mitchell Report. That's the one thing. Yeah. So he like, cheated. He, he cheated. cheated. He cheated. He's a cheater. He's a cheater. He's a cheater. But is did, is all does all the goodwill erase the fact that he cheated? I I don't I personally don't think so. But we're getting into. I know you shot down Kurt Schilling, but he was the one guy last year that almost got in. He had seventy one point eight percent of the vote. It's not seventy five, but that's damn close. And he's also the guy that's been shooting this thing down, saying I don't want to be in anymore. Like, F you guys. So that's really interesting that he has been very outspoken against the Hall of Fame, very outspoken against the media, very political guy, and he got seven. He got almost 72% last year. I think that number is going to go down, though. I really think that he is not doing himself any favors, and I think the old guard of writer will happily oblige him. Yes. So I think he's... It's a pissing contest with Kurt Schilling. And he's going to lose. He's going to lose. The guys on the ballot, I mean, the only one that I would seriously consider moving up is Todd Helton. Like, I thought Todd Helton's a beast. But of the the questionable guys, I'm with you. I wouldn't vote for any of them. No. Because then you're opening up Pandora's box. And... I understand the argument of guys like Evan Roberts and guys who say that it's a museum, right? You're speaking to the history of baseball. So put in good, bad, and indifferent and make sure you tell the story of the game. So I can understand where you're coming from, but at the same time, I also don't want to reward those guys for cheating the game. And that's the whole thing is like everybody has different perspectives on what the Hall of Fame is about. To me, the Hall of Fame is the best players to ever play the game. That's what the Hall of Fame is. Like I like I feel like football has really been letting everybody in lately. Mm-hmm. Like like they let in Megatron. I think Megatron really needed. Where where do you put Megatron's bus next to Jerry Rice? Like come on, <laughs> Jerry Rice set the standard for wide receiver. Same thing like Joe Montana, Terry Bradshaw. Where, you're not putting Rich Gannon in there. Like, no. Right? So so football has be- become more lenient in who they're letting in. Basketball, too. Basketball is starting to let in everybody. Baseball is the one place where they do police and they do make sure, hey, man, this isn't for everybody. This isn't the Hall of Really Good. It's the Hall of Fame. This is we are the best. We didn't and and we didn't disgrace the game. We didn't cheat to get where we where we are. But the truth of the matter is, is, and I really feel like this is eventually, eventually they're gonna, the chimes are going to change, and they're going to vote people in. It's it, even football now. Like they, people pass away, and then all of a sudden they go, well, "How come that guy was never in the Hall of Fame?" And then all of a sudden there's a mad vote to put somebody in because he passed away. It's just like, all right, I guess. Yeah. Um, but so, that's also with these committees too, right? You have the golden, you have the golden days, and then you have the early baseball committee which has a lot of Negro League players who should be in the Hall of Fame as well. 
So you can like, create you can create another place for these guys. Yeah. And the other part is is that most of these players are honored by the places they played, right? So mm-hmm. like Yankee Stadium has their their the the monuments. And then the other other uh, stadiums have maybe a museum within their stadium. And then there's also like rings of honors, like or even there's college baseball hall of fame. There there are other places where we can honor this person. It doesn't have to be the baseball hall of fame. They could be honored in other ways in another building, in another wing, in another place. But to me, the baseball hall of fame is for the best players to ever play the game. I don't want to see A-Rod in there. He's not one of the best players to ever play the game. At one time he was, but you lied. We don't know what the truth is. You made a mistake, and I don't I don't think you should be punished for the rest of your life for making that mistake. But at the same time, we have to figure out what that middle ground is what that middle ground is. And at this time, I don't know. Because you were one of the best players in the game. Why you felt you needed to do this, take this stuff, and then lie about it is beyond me. Same thing with Barry Bonds. Like, dude, you were the best hitter. You were gonna be the best winner whether you took it or you didn't take it. But because you took it, other people started taking. You put a black mark on baseball for like 20 years. Well, that's the thing. We're on shifting ground right now because you have the guardians of the game, right? The, the Joe people Morgan's, who, the, the, the Joe Morgan types. Yes, the people who have standards, right? Who aren't just looking at numbers and saying, he's a Hall of Famer, look at the statistics. You have to, I mean, I understand that Ty Cobb's in the Hall of Fame and he's a racist piece of shit. <laughs> So I understand that. I get that. But you have you have the ability to keep the cheaters out. You, you know, you have you have the ability to control who is and who is not in the Hall of Fame. So we're on shifting ground right now because older generations, they're doing their job. They're practicing their stewardship. Younger generations, guys younger than us. Like, I don't think they get hung up on this, you know, and especially even years for, you know, years along the way. Like, are we just going to get highlight real players in the Hall of Fame? Like, it feels like that's the direction we're going in because we're on that shifting ground. And ultimately, it remains to be seen. But these guys, in this case, no way. time for the mail route on the fade route if you want to get featured hit us up fade route mail at gmail.com or slide in those dms at fade route podcast on ig or drop us a line on our twitter page at fade route dnz All right, boys and girls, we have a full email box for you today. If you want to get featured, hit us up, faderoutemail at gmail.com or slide in our DMs on IG, Podcast, or on Twitter at FaderoutDNZ. Our first email comes from Tyler in Santa Rosa, California, new to the show. Hey, guys, love the show. Well, thank you. 
Steph Curry has been on fire so far this season. Can anyone surpass him for MVP? He wasn't on fire last night. He couldn't hit anything. <laughs> Worst shooting performance of his career. And they lost to the Suns, who are on a 17-game winning streak. How crazy is that? They're 18 and, I think, 2 or 18 and 3. Amazing. Um, well, barring injury and Clay not returning, yeah, I, I think he's a lock for it. Um, he's averaging 27.8 points a game up from his career. 5.7 rebounds a game up from his career. His shooting percentage from 3 and from the field is down, His but his free throw percentage is up. So, yeah, I don't see anybody knocking him off the top. In fact, I I really believe the Warriors are going to win the title this year just because of how good he is, how good of a roster they have, and Klay Thompson's still going to come back. It's an embarrassment of riches that they were able to put this team together, and Steph Curry is playing out of his mind for sure. Now, it is still early. Just a caveat. It is still early. So, comparable statistics. If you're just talking comparable statistics, you got to look at Kevin Durant. You definitely need to look at him. I'm not saying that, you know, he's going to be there long term, but 28.6 points, 7.5 rebounds, 5.6 assists, 53.9 from the field. So, impressive. Definitely impressive and matches up well with what Steph is doing. The team around him has been failing. The The Nets are not uh, doing as well as the Warriors. So that's definitely, you know, something that you have to take into account, right? If, how do you define value? You take, you take this guy off the team and they're the drizzling shits. So Steph Curry is proving that he has added value to the Golden State Warriors. But another guy... Are his, are his numbers as gaudy as the other guys? No. But, again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay on this. Chris Paul, 14.5 points, 4 rebounds, 10 assists, 47.6%. He's guiding that team. He's doing what he needs to do. They were able to, they were able to take that step. And they are having an, a stellar run right now. Again, it's very early on, but those are two guys that could definitely take the mantle. Absolutely. Because things are going to even out. They, they're they not going to be... The, the Warriors are not going to be equatorially hot. The Nets will figure it out. The Suns will even, will even out some as well. The Cream will rise to the top. And I think it will be a three-horse race. Steph Curry is a dynamic player. And I think that... He should be the lead horse right now in this race, but it's a long year. It's definitely a long year, and those are two very worthy candidates that could catch him in the end. Email number two from Randolph in Brooklyn, friend of the show. What's up, Rand? Hey, guys. The Yankees have been shut out of free agency so far. With Seager, Simeon, Verlander, and Scherzer gone, who do you see them signing, and what are they waiting for? The short answer is I don't know. I was surprised they missed out on Scherzer. I was surprised they missed out on Verlander, and I was surprised they missed out on Seager. Uh, I thought Seager was the perfect player for them, right? He's mm-hmm. a high-end offensive shortstop who bats lefty. I mean, that's that's huge. Uh, 
I'm I'm worried they're gonna go for Freeman. But imagine if the Red Sox got Freddie Freeman. That's huh. pretty crazy too. But I'm I'm actually hearing that the Yankees are trying to get um, Simmons, the shortstop, and they'll eventually sign Rizzo. Uh, it's just I'd be shocked if 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 this was the move the New York Yankees were making waiting to make. Uh, I think Correa is out after the comments he made about Jeter. You know, maybe they're building up for a big trade, like maybe for Mike Trout or something crazy like that. You got to think he's got something brewing. But one of the things I was interested to read about was 62 players who signed their first pro contract with the Yankees appeared in a game last year. That was tied with St. Louis for the second most. So they they have a decent farm. They're 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 bringing up talent, but they're not developing them. Uh, to play on the major league level and, and stay there for a long time. So uh, the, the short answer is, man, I don't know. Well, let's address the needs of the team, right? They need left-handed hitting. Starting can, center fielder. They need a starting center fielder. You, a you, catcher. Catcher. <laughs> First baseman. Starting uh, starting pitching. Right? Right? Uh and if well, they need a two, right? They need a two. They got a one. They need a two. They they need starting pitching. They need two <laughs> through five. They need two through five. The Yankees have not had a, a solid starting five since 1998, where one through five would dominate. But they have not had that since 1998. Let's be real here. I'm sure, so, they had the highest payroll that year. Well, more than likely, absolutely. But if you look at the guys on that are still available, they're not impressive. Like they, the Yankees lost out on Verlander. They lost out <laughs> on Wainwright. They lost out on uh, Michael Waka. You know, Michael Waka. They lost out on Noah Syndergaard. They lost out on Robbie Ray. They lost out on Gosman. They lost out on Stroman. Syndergaard. Uh, yep. They, they, Steven Matz. Max Scherzer. These are guys that they need. And Eduardo Rodriguez. Eduardo Rodriguez is going to pitch for the Tigers. He's going to be the ace of the Detroit fucking Tigers. He chose to go there. (laughs) So, you know, who's left on the market? Martin Perez? Willie Peralta? Big Mike. Michael Pineda? You're going to bring back Michael Pineda? I mean, the only thing that makes sense is that they're they're gearing up for some kind of trade. Is it Castillo from the Reds? Possibly. I, I don't know who else is on the market that they would be interested in. Charlie Morton already re-upped with the Braves. Another guy that would have been great. Uh, you're just looking for guys to fill out the rotation at this point. Charlie Morton would be perfect for that. Carlos Martinez? Like, okay, maybe Carlos Martinez. I don't know. The Yankees need so much help. I guarantee you this, though. Brett Gardner is going to be back next year. Just because he's got those pictures of Brian Cashman and God knows what. They they need so much. I would I agree that they're they're targeting Angleton Simmons. I've also heard them link to Isaiah Kiner-Falefa from, from uh, the Rangers. Especially now that, you know, Seager is there and Simeon is there. He is now available. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I mean, they can't sign Trevor Story. That would be a joke. No, Story would be a bad move. I, I don't like Trevor Story. I would call up Philly and see about Didi. I would see see about a reunion. That's me. But um, 
yeah, I'm not seeing any moves here that are exciting. I'm not seeing anything that really helps the team. You know, the, there's a lot of also rans right now. There's a lot of extras. There, there's a lot of like quadruple A and barely hanging on guys left, and it, it just it, there's nothing exciting. So the the Yankees better hope that that they get something because you don't want to be the the team left out in this game of musical chairs, especially once the the clock strikes strikes midnight. And there's there's no lot there's no season because the players have been locked out. I don't know. Maybe that's what they're waiting on. Maybe that's what they're waiting for. Who knows? Email number three from Pete in South Bend, Indiana. Oh, this should be interesting. With Brian Kelly heading to LSU, do you see Urban Meyer taking the Notre Dame job? Uh, I think he's definitely, I think his head definitely raised up from his desk when he saw this come across the screen that, you know, Brian <laughs> Kelly was leaving Notre Dame, but Notre Dame still holds academics to a high standard, high regard. I don't think they're going to let, I don't think they're going to let players that have off the field issues or players that can't keep their grades up play for Notre Dame. So for that reason, I don't think they're interested in Urban Meyer. I agree. Uh, Notre Dame is still one of the schools where character matters. You know, the whole Catholic versus convict thing. Granted, that was in the 80s, but they they still kind of hold tight to that. And Urban Meyer does definitely have a reputation. Uh, It looks like Marcus Freeman is going to be the guy, at least on an interim basis, through through the bowl season. So that may be where they choose to go because of familiarity with the team, familiarity with the players. And, you know, an understanding of the Notre Dame culture. So if that's the way they want to go, you know, that would be a fine way to go. Um, could they make a run at a guy like a Jim Harbaugh? Maybe. But I don't think he, I don't think Harbaugh would make that move. Could they no, get... he's a Michigan guy. He's not going anywhere. Yeah. So, but the thing that, the thing that helps Harbaugh in this case is that he beat Ohio State. Because if he didn't beat Ohio State, he might have been out on his ass. Because I think I think Michigan, they get tired of being beaten like a drum by Ohio State. So fi- it's finally good to ha- for him to have one under his belt. Um, are you gonna call a guy like Chip Kelly? Probably not. He doesn't fit how he doesn't fit how you run things. Mike Leach, no, definitely not. He's he's definitely he's out there. So he wouldn't be that that kind of thing. So I mean, unless you get an old guard NFL coach, like that's the only other thing I could think of. Like, you know, maybe I, I wouldn't even say Pete Carroll because Pete Carroll doesn't fit South Bend, Indiana. He doesn't fit Notre Dame either. So, yeah, I mean, Urban Meyer doesn't fit in there, but it's a very unique situation in South Bend. And I think it's probably just better if they promote from within at this point. You might be sitting on, you know, the next great coach. Why not? Give it a shot. You can find The Fade Route on Facebook now. Check out our Facebook page, The Fade Route with DNZ. It's a one-stop shop for everything we do content, link to The Fade Store, all of our episodes, you name it, it is there. 
The Fade Route with DNZ on Facebook. The Fade Store presents the Alleged Superstar of the Week Award. All right, boys and girls, it is time for the Alleged Superstar of the Week Award. Time for us to award that ass. The poll is going up after the show. Go to our Twitter account at FadeRouteDNZ and vote your choice. D, do you know who won last week? Actually, I don't know. The Clapper, Jason Garrett. Take it home, that ass. Congratulations, Coach Garrett. Good for you. Mazel tov. Still can't get you a job, but good for you. So who are your nominees this week, D? My first nominee for Legend Superstar of the Week is Lamar Jackson. 20 for 32, 165 yards, one touchdown, four interceptions, 17 carries for 68 yards. Dude, that's rookie numbers. You were supposed to be the premier quarterback in the league. You played like trash last week. You are my alleged superstar of the week, even though you won. Uh, Second is Brian Kelly, leaving Notre Dame, the Fighting Irish, the Golden Domers for LSU in the eye of the Tiger. Man, Notre Dame was on the verge of a playoff berth all time. He's leader in wins. He averaged nine wins for for ten year, ten plus years there. Brian Kelly, you are my alleged superstar of the week. And last but not least, it pains me to say this, but Cam Newton. Oh, Mr. I am back. Five for 21, 92 yards, two interceptions. Former MVP, former Heisman winner. Former leader of the Carolina Panthers to the Super Bowl, you are my alleged superstar of the week. What do you have, Z? Well, a special honorable mention goes to Brendan Lemieux. You are not an alleged superstar, but <laughs> you're a biter. You're a biter. You bit Brady Kachuk during a scrap. The fucker's biting me. The fucker's biting me. <laughs> <It's> like, <"Ow!" laughs> are you biting me? What are you doing, man? <laughs> Brendan Lemieux, you deserve to be named, but you're an honorable mention because you're a, th- you're a fourth line guy. Get up to second line and maybe you'll be an alleged superstar of the week. For me, Jalen Hurts, 14 to 31, 129 yards, no touchdowns, three picks in a loss to the Giants. Seven fantasy points, awful. Exposed. We call that getting exposed. Jalen Hurts, you are my alleged superstar of the week. Lincoln Riley, deny, deny, deny. Ooh, USC. You, sir, are my alleged superstar of the week. And last but not least, Matt Turner. For those of you who are uninitiated, the MLS goalkeeper of the year, starting goalkeeper for the U.S. men's national soccer team, giving up five straight penalty kick goals to a New York City FC squad without Golden Boot winner Tati Castellanos and looking like a total chump in the process. 
how good is America if this guy is the starting goaltender for Team America? You, Matt Turner, are my alleged superstar of the week. Ladies and gentlemen, we have made our case. The poll is going up at the end of the show. And for our nominees... Do better, boys. Just do better. Your favorite podcast has its own merch line now. Go to teespring.com, type The Fade Store into the search bar, and have access to our sweatshirts, t-shirts, long-sleeve shirts, tank tops, and much more on the way. That's teespring.com. Type in The Fade Store at the search bar and show your boys some love. Rep the Fade Route brand only at the Fade Store, only on teespring.com. Let's run the option and give you our picks for the week. All right, brother. It is the option for week 13. How'd you do last week? Awful. Awful. I only got six games last week. Six and nine. It was was a rough one. It was a rough one for sure. I went seven and eight. So hopefully we can rebound this week and... uh, you know, kind of right the ship a little bit here. Teams on a bye. Panthers, Browns, Packers, and Titans. So all you Aaron Rodgers starters, find somebody else. I'm just saying. Thursday night, 8-20. The 7-4 Cowboys at the New Orleans Saints. Taysom Hill starting for New Orleans. Yeah, I'm going with the Dallas Cowboys. How about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys? The Saints are worse than the Raiders. The Cowboys should win this game. Sunday, 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 1 o'clock, the 3-7 and seven Giants travel to Miami to take on the 4-7 and seven Dolphins. Dolphins are winning games. No Dolphins. The Dolphins are winning some games. Logan Ryan is back. That should help the Giants secondary. You know, I'm going to ride with the Giants on this one. We're, I think we're going to see what Freddie Kitchens can do this week. Daniel Jones has a little bit of a, a strained neck, but he's going to give it a go. So, you know what? I, I have a good feeling about this. Let's roll with Big Blue this week. The six and five Colts at the two and eight Texans. Oh, I'm going with the Colts. Jonathan Taylor cannot replicate what he did last week, but he's going to get damn close. I'm going with the Colts as well. The five and five Vikings at the O oh, ten and one Lions. Vikings. Yeah, this is going to be pr- this is going to be closer than you think. Dalvin Cook is out. But Madison is a capable backup, and it's going to be the Justin Jefferson show. Vikings win. 
The five and six Eagles at the two and eight. J E T S Jets, Jets, Jets. I'm going with Jets putting together a winning streak. I'm taking the Jets. We win one tomorrow. It's called a winning streak. It has happened before. The Eagles did not impress last week. I'm just saying. Screw it. I'm going to roll with the Jets, too. I, I was not impressed at all by the, the Philadelphia Eagles whatsoever. The 9-2 and two Cardinals at the 4-7 and seven Bears. Cardinals, I think they get their boys back. I think D-Hop comes back and also Kyler Murray comes back. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. The Bears are swirling around the drain. The Cardinals, they'll be able to take care of business. Six and four Chargers at the six and four Bengals. Uh, Bengals. I mean, they put a hurt on the on Pittsburgh surprisingly last week. So yeah, I'm going with them. I think we overrated the Chargers just a little bit. I think just a little bit we overrated them. So I'm going with the Bengals. The Bengals can play. Joe Mixon, he is delivering the mail. And then you have the Chase connection with Joe Burrow. That's pretty darn good. Seven and three bucks at the four and six Falcons. I was tempted to take the Falcons here only because it's a divisional game, but I'm gonna roll with the Bucks. I'm gonna roll with the Bucks too. Cordero Patterson did play last week, so that kind of threw a wrench into things. But Vita Vea is going to eat him alive if if he tries to run up the middle. I'm taking the Bucks. The two and eight Jaguars at, into the four oh five. Jaguars at Rams. <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm taking the Jaguars. I know why you're taking the Jaguars. Because Matthew Stafford is playing like Detroit Matthew Stafford, and they are not looking good. They're not looking impressive at all. It's very tempting to take the Jaguars. I admire you going out on the limb. I'm close to going out. I'm not there yet. What a disaster gonna... that would be. That would be hilarious. Who's getting fired? You got to figure Raheem Morris. Raheem Morris is probably going to go. If they if they lose to the Jags, ugh. I'm going to roll with the Rams. I, I just don't. I'm, I'm not. I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm getting there, but I'm not there yet. The four and six WFT at the six and five Raiders. WFT. This is a close one. It's going to be a close one. I'm going to go with the Raiders. I think they just have a little bit more in the tank, and they're going to get the job done. 425, the 7-3 Ravens at the 5-4-1 Steelers. Uh, Ravens, especially after what we saw last weekend. Oh, boy. Hopefully, Lamar Jackson doesn't come in with those four picks again, and somehow they managed to win. That's winning in spite of somebody right there. So, nice work. Good work there, Ravens. I'm going to go with the Ravens, too. I just don't like where the Steelers are headed right now. They're not trending in the right direction. Five and five Niners at the three and seven Seahawks. Niners. Goes without saying. The Seahawks are circling the drain. The Niners are peaking at the right time. Your Sunday night special. The 5-5 five five Broncos go into Arrowhead to take on the Chiefs. Yeah, I got flexed to the night game, so I'm going to go with the Chiefs. How about them Chiefs? 7-4, and four, 
they're they're writing the ship. They are writing the ship. And the game of the week, right here, you heard it here first. 8-15 Monday night. 7-4 Pats at 7-4 Bills. This one is for the division. This is for the division. This is for the number one overall seed in the AFC. I am going with the Bills. Patriots always have a tough time playing up in Buffalo. I'm taking the Patriots. I don't like what I'm seeing from the Bills right now. You also lost Tredavious White for the season. So, if they could get something going, they can exploit that. And, you know, you just gotta, you just gotta like, you just gotta like the way Coach Belichick has this team going right now. Pats by a touchdown. This has been the Fade Route with DNZ. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Catch our podcast Wednesday nights on Anchor, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. Until next time, stay faded, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. If you want to get on the action, we want to hear from you. Hit us up at Fade Route Podcast on IG, FadeRouteMail at gmail.com. Or slide in our DMs at Twitter at FadeRouteDNZ. Questions, comments, picks, segment suggestions, you name it. We want to hear from you. Get at us, in crowd. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Rate us five stars. Leave us a review. Turn on subscription notifications and tell your friends. Spread the word. Spread it wide.